Welcome to The Express. I'm Bilal Vakani. You may know me as the producer of the Todd Shapiro Show on Sirius XM 167 Canada Talks. And it's my first raw review, and we're going to do things very differently. I'm going to do this in 10 minutes or less. And I'm going to kind of do this in blocks in terms of what I thought was the most important, all the way down to a match I didn't realize happened in this three hours of raw. It is June 17th. 2019, or at least it will be for another half an hour as I record this on the Eastern Time Zone. So we open up with Elias. He's got another song, and Seth Rollins decides to attack him with a steel chair. Why would he do that? Well, Elias has a referee shirt that he reveals, and Seth basically makes it clear anyone who offers to be Baron Corbin's special referee when he faces Seth Rollins for the WWE Universal title, he's going to take them out. Now, there's a whole other thing with the U.S. title and Elias. I'll come back to that a little later. Um, But Seth makes good on this promise. Uh, Baron Corbin talks to Eric Young. Rollins takes him out. During the Kevin Owens show with uh, special guest Sami Zayn along with Baron Corbin as they went way over the wild card rule as you're about to find out, they revealed that EC3 would be one of the possible special referees at this point the special referee it didn't take seth long to come out and take him out he didn't even get past the ramp this also digressed to the new day facing corbin raw sorry corbin zane and owens obviously corbin left sammy and ko kind of dry high and dry not kind of dry high and dry This was sort of fitting because during the Kevin Owens show, uh, KO and Sammy, after seeing what Seth had done to Elias earlier, actually decided not to offer up their services as referees. So this was a good kind of double heel turn on each other. We also saw uh, Daniel Bryan do a promo that was sort of interweaved because Daniel Bryan would face Seth Rollins on this night's Raw. Rowan was out there with them, but they sort of uh, were upended when the Raiders, I'm just going to call it no, the Viking experience. No, the Viking Raiders. No, the War Raiders. You know what they're called. I don't know anymore. The Raiders came out. They beat some jobbers, like which I had to rewind to even notice that they had a match because it went so fast, which was sort of weird because we've established heavy machinery as number one contenders for these SmackDown tag team titles. Why throw in the War Raiders? I don't know. I feel like they should be uh, establishing them with the Raw Tag Champions who just defended their titles last week. This is all very weird. Uh, We move on. And we get to the end of the show. It is Rollins versus Daniel Bryan. I'm not sure why, but there's an interference spot here with Rowan, the Revival, Sami Zayn for some reason, the New Day, the Usos. Eventually, somebody gets on the mic and and says the match will be restarted as a one-on-one match. It was already a one-on-one match. I'm not sure why they phrased it that way. And we we do get a classic of a match, but it just feels so random and unearned, to be honest. And when Rollins finally wins, Corbin returns the favor, attacks him, holds the title over his head. And that's how Raw goes off the air. And, And as you can tell, this was a lot... This was about, you know, maybe a third of Raw, all about this rivalry between Seth and Baron, and I'm about to get to the U.S. title, and I I just, I look at Baron, and I look at the guys who are up for this U.S. title fatal four-way, Bobby Lashley, Cesaro, Ricochet, Braun Strowman, and I'll even throw Elias in there, because he's sort of involved, as I'll explain in a second, 
And I just feel like all of these guys would be better suited to be in the main event than Corbin. Uh, Corbin has a lot of heat. He has some stuff he does well, calling himself the favorite son of whatever city he's in is, is great. But, but And the GM stuff is there, but that feels like a, a lifetime ago. I don't know. This rivalry, it just feels like filler until Brock Lesnar. Uh, and certainly Paul Heyman cut a promo, which I forgot to mention. Because it was, you know, it was another great Paul Heyman promo. But it's so obvious. If you don't see Brock, he's not going to show up later. If he's not out there with Heyman, I, I just I don't think... I think we know why Paul Heyman's out there by himself. And it's to stretch this thing out. Which is fine, but... They need to get more creative with this. I want to see Paul Heyman manage somebody else on top of Brock. So maybe there's some doubt. Is he there for somebody else? Is he there for Brock? You know, let's do something with this. You know, maybe Brock does some video messages or, or something. Like this, uh, this this universal title picture for something that's the centerpiece of Raw right now. It really feels like a placeholder. And even Brock feels like this injection just to, to you know, like an adrenaline shot. I, I don't... I'm not really behind it, to be honest. So moving on to that fatal five-way for the U.S. title. The weird thing about this was Elias was still in the ring. And all five of these guys just hit their finishers on Elias. There was no real face or heel dynamics. Braun Strowman came out last. And I sort of thought, okay, Braun will finally get this rivalry with Samoa Joe, who was at ringside. Or we get The Miz. And The Miz has certainly, uh, in his segment a week or so ago, with... Samoa Joe has established himself well, and, you know, this would be a good rivalry. But I also said, damn, the, the pay-per-view stomping grounds is in six days. They kind of have to go with one of these guys. They can't go with any of the heels. Lashley is too much of a heel. Um, you know, I don't even remember the other heel who was in this match. I didn't write it down. He was too much of a heel and, and not good enough to remember. Cesaro. Jeez, that's sad. So, uh, you, you know, you, you, you leave yourself in an interesting spot. The weirdest part of this, as it was a weird match, is, uh, you know, Braun was was double-teamed by Lashley and Cesaro, and they helped Ricochet eliminate him, which, I, I, I you know, I'm sure there's a reason, but, but you know, in terms of a heel and a face, uh, this, you know, this was kind of hard to keep track of. It came down to The Miz and Ricochet, and Ricochet won. And I get that Samoa Joe is right out of a rivalry with Rey Mysterio. That almost makes it even weirder that he wouldn't go against The Miz, especially this was in LA. It would have been a huge pop. And clearly, I don't think the plan is to take the title off Samoa Joe. Not that he needs the title, but if you keep it on him, you can really establish it. So if you had given The Miz, who who had built up a pretty good storyline with Samoa Joe on Miz TV, I would have given it to The Miz. And it would have been a huge pop. It would have seemed massive going into a Sunday. And I, I just, I, I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, and Ricochet, he shouldn't win. And where does that leave him after? You know, you can make the argument that Joe doesn't need the title. But if you just give it to Ricochet, who really has said nothing of consequence. He's amazing in the ring. But he really can't talk. And at least with Finn Balor, he has that demon gimmick. He has another gear. Ricochet does not have that. Like, Ricochet is the guy you could use Paul Heyman as a manager. He does not have it. He's a great athlete, but that's it. That is absolutely it with Ricochet, and I love him. But they got to find a gimmick. they got to give him a manager. They've got to do something. Uh, something they don't have to do a lot with is the firehouse, 
Firefly Funhouse. Man, you should see the typos on my notes here. This was another stellar segment. Uh, you know, I, I think you should just watch this. I don't even want to describe it. Uh, but, but Bray Wyatt is sort of continuing to go down this dark path of what, you know, used to be a Pee Wee Herman type segment. And the problem now becomes, I want to see him in the ring. And especially we talked about how dull uh, Corbin is as an opponent. You know, I really thought Bray was the guy who should have won that 50-man battle royal. And I, I did really enjoy Mansoor winning it. I think that was a great thing. And, you know, I think it's easy for people to crap on the Saudi Arabia show and say, oh, we don't care, blah, blah, blah. But th that's a great thing for a country that needs something like the WWE to, to help it progress. And, you know, you could talk about oil money. I'm in Canada. We have tons of oil money. And ain't nobody got a problem with Canadian wrestling. We have a petrol currency in Canada. The U.S. has tons of oil. They're, they're all oil-based economies uh, to a large extent. The U.S. doesn't manufacture anymore. Anyway, so I, I don't know. I don't really buy into that. Um, I certainly think the Saudis could do a lot better, and it's about time to get some women out there and maybe some AC, but I, I think a lot of that, you know, Saudi hate, you know, I, I think anyone who has family or anyone in that area certainly understands how important it is to bring society there. Um, and any country would be grateful for it. So I'm sure there'll be more from me on that as we go. Becky Lynch cut a promo uh, against Lacey Evans. And Lacey uh, fought back pretty well. Uh, these two, they know each other well. It's kind of getting to a point where I don't care a whole lot about their rivalry but they're doing good work. I, I don't think you can begrudge them. I will always be of the opinion that Lacey Evans should not have been called up when she was called up. I think she's done a very good job for what she's been given. But, you know, if you could put Io Shirai in the position that Becky, you know, against Becky or Shayna Baszler, there's no doubt in my mind they would be better. Bianca Belair, better. Even Candice LeRae with Johnny Gargano would be better in this position. But what's done is done. They're making the most out of Lacey. Uh, but unfortunately, I think when this promo, this this uh, rivalry with Becky Lynch is done, we got to find her a tag team partner. And it's a shame they ruined what she had going with Charlotte because those two were a natural fit. And Charlotte certainly could have mentored, mentored Lacey and helped her in a tag team run. But... You know, I hate to be Lacey Evans after Sunday because I think that's going to be about the end of her going for a women's title. Speaking of women's titles, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss had a promo backstage. Alexa had a gift for Nikki, and basically it said they had a title shot in a coffee mug, of course. Billy and Peyton, uh, Bill, you know, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, they came out, they cut a promo. Actually, before that, sorry, Naomi and Natalia sort of looked at one of the tweets that Bliss had pointed out about Bailey being, I don't know, mean or something on Twitter. I don't really care. Um, where Dana Brooke was in all this, I have no idea. I don't know what happened to that team of Natalia and Dana Brooke. I guess they just replaced her with Naomi. Ooh, I don't know. Not that Dana and Natalia were a good team. But anyways, we go to the title match. Um... You know, what ends up happening here is Bagel, by which I mean Bailey, thanks autocorrect, um, you know, try to make phones on, notes on computers, not phones. 
cost of the match, uh, but this was pretty significant because she pulled Alexa off the apron, and you know we had a promo after where Nikki vowed to be in the corner of Alexa Bliss and basically ensure that what happened to them tonight will happen on Sunday, and Alexa, with the help of Nikki, will become SmackDown's champion, which is fairly good in terms of uh, a connection here. Where that leaves the Iconics, I have no idea. I, I don't know where Asuka and uh, Kairi Sane have gone, but they need to come back. And shout out to the Iconics. They had a great Lakers burn earlier, right before the match. Uh, staying with the women, uh, Carmella and R-Truth were disguised in what I wrote down as the third row, but it was actually the first row. And they cut to him after a match, uh, all the 24-7 contenders, and I use that term very lightly, and I'm not going to list them, came out, tried to run him down, somehow couldn't catch our truth At one point, they confused him with Titus O'Neil, who I don't know why he was hiding under the ring. He's the new Hornswoggle. I don't know. But this was all hilarious. It didn't really go too far this week, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. All right, here are my bottom two highlights of the week. Second last is Shane's party with drew mcintyre and the revival they were interrupted by heat slater there was some serious audio issues here where michael cole wasn't sure when to talk over and not talk over somehow slater hit some sort of cue and it actually worked out pretty good after asking for more money uh which he was denied by shane uh drew mcintyre sort of pretended to give him some money and then kicked the crap out of slater later on roman reigns cut a promo and then hunted down all these partiers until he got Shane and kicked Shane's ass, told him he would do that to Drew, threw the mic at Shane. You know, pretty standard stuff. I'm sick and tired of Shane McMahon being part of these promos. Uh, we could do so much more with The Revival and uh, McIntyre, and probably even Slater, for that matter. Now, the lost segment of the week, and this is not something I thought would happen because I didn't sleep through this episode of Raw, but I, I noticed a segment between uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, the good brothers with AJ Styles, who was talking about coming back from his injury. What I missed was the Usos apparently defeated Gallows and Anderson. I have no idea when this happened. I have no idea why. I'm happy they were on TV, but man, it was short. And uh, I hope the Bullet Club comes back. I know there's a Japanese show where Triple H will be teaming with them, as Tama Tonga had some fun with on Twitter. Um, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, overall, it was an okay Raw. Um, I think we all know stomping grounds. Uh, we don't have a lot of expectations. And I think at the end of the day, I don't think Corbin needs to be in the title picture. I think Bray Wyatt needs to be there ASAP. I think you need to do more with Elias. I, I don't think Ricochet is going to do too well against Samoa Joe. Um, I think Becky needs a new challenger. I don't even know who that is. The tag team division needs a new challenger. You know... Alexa Bailey is shaping up fairly well. Uh, you know, it's certainly a slower week for our truth, but maybe we'll get some more on social and on SmackDown. The Shane stuff is wearing heavy on me, and uh, I'm hoping the Bullet Club does come back in full force. That was my Raw review. I've been Bilal Vakan. You can follow me at BilalV87 on Twitter. Um, I'll be here for you every day, wrapping up what's going on in WWE, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live, main event, or just some cool news from my friends over at wrestling-edge.com. And you can follow me at BilalV87 on Twitter. Peace out.